James chapter 2. James chapter 2. Well, welcome to Gospel Baptist this morning. We're glad to see you here. I'm not the pastor, but I'll be teaching Sunday school and speaking this morning. I want you to meet my wife quickly. Pal, would you stand up so they can see you? There she is, my wife, Mary. And we have three kids. They're all grown and gone, of course. Uh, Will's preaching this morning in Okoe. He's an evangelist. Wendy lives in Northern Virginia. And she and her husband uh, go to a church there. And Wren, our youngest, and her husband live in Tennessee on the ranch. Let me help you out with my name just a little bit. I hope this doesn't bore you to tears, but let me help you with this. Years ago, before the turn of the century, there was a preacher, actually a lay preacher, rancher, a realtor, state senator named William Henry Rice. That was my grandfather. Never met him. He died before I was born. Uh, William Henry Rice had three preacher sons. He had other children, but he had three preacher sons, John that's John O'Rice was the oldest. And then Joe, who was an evangelist, is uh, the second. And then Bill, William Henry Rice Jr., was my father. Then my father had three preacher sons, myself, Pete, and Ronnie, who's adopted, uh, and he's deaf. And uh, so you have William Henry Rice Sr., that's my grandfather, William Henry Rice Jr., my dad, William Henry Rice III, and then my son is William Henry Rice IV. And then he has a son, and his name is William Henry Rice V. We call him Wilson. And Wilson's 18, and when he gets married, uh, his first baby will be William Henry Rice VI. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, Brother Rice, what if his oldest is a girl? I don't care. Her name will be William Henry Rice, <laughs> the sixth. So I'm sure you're still confused, but that's basically the way it is. Uncle John died in uh, 1980. My dad went to glory in 1978. Uncle Joe went to be with the Lord in 1962. So they're all in heaven now. Dad and mother began Bill Rice Ranch for deaf young people and then hearing teenagers because of my sister's deafness. Um, and Dad had it for 25 years, and Mary and I had it for 25 years, and now Will, our son, is in his 16th year of guiding the ranch. So, you think you got all this down? Okay, you should know the name at least. That should be easy enough. You got James chapter 2? James chapter 2. Let's begin with verse 14, James chapter 2. Father, help us, I pray, in these next few minutes as we look to your word to see what you've said, may we be clear and may we be understanding in order that when we leave this morning, we can live in light of what you have said here. We pray these things in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. You got James chapter 2, look at verse 14. What doth it profit, my brethren, though a man say he hath faith, and have, have not works, can faith save him? Now, the, the verse is not asking what you might think it's asking, but let's assume that it's asking what the average person in reading it would think. Let me ask you a question. 
Can a man be saved by faith apart from any works whatsoever? Yes or no? The answer is yes. Now, this is important. Bible believers, and specifically Baptists, have believed for numerous years that salvation is by grace through faith alone. That works has no place in salvation. It is not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. So he asked the question, if a man has faith without works, can faith save him? Look at verse 15. If a brother or sister be naked and uh, uh, in need of daily food, and one of you say to them, uh, to this brother or sister, depart in peace, be you warmed and filled, notwithstanding you give them not those things which are needful to the body, what doth it profit? All right, now he starts out with an illustration. He's talking about faith and works. He starts out with an illustration. He says, a guy comes to church, and he's hungry, he needs Cheerios, and he's chilly. This is probably in Chicago. Um, he, he's chilly, so he needs clothes. Okay, so he has two needs. He, he needs food or Cheerios, and he needs clothes. But he is met with a pious-sounding uh, statement. Be ye warmed and filled, notwithstanding... You don't give him what he needs. Now, help me out. What does he need? He needs two things. He needs food, and he needs... Okay, so this guy comes into church, and he's chilly, and he's hungry, and you meet him with, be warmed and filled, but you don't give him what he needs, and what he needs is clothes and food. And he says, what doth it profit? Now, let me ask you a question. What doth it profit whom? Guy comes into church. You remember the story. He's chilly. He's hungry. He needs food. He needs clothes. You don't give him either. You say, be warmed and filled. Notwithstanding, you don't give him what he needs. Well, he says, if you don't give him what he needs, what does it profit? Okay, what does it profit whom? The guy who came into church. The guy who came in who's chilly and who's hungry, you say, oh, we're so glad to see you here. May God's blessings be upon you. This is a paraphrase I'm adding to it. Uh, May God's blessings be upon you. But you don't give him what he needs, which is food and clothing. What does it profit the guy? You following this? It profits him nothing. Look at verse 16. Uh, the Bible says, and one of you said, we've already seen that, verse 17. Even so, faith, if it hath not works, is dead being alone. Now, this is important. This is really important. Faith, if it doesn't have works, is dead. All right, now the question is to whom? To whom is faith without works dead? And the answer is in context of the story the guy who's still hungry and chilly. Your faith, which you have, by the way, in, in, in the illustration, your faith without your works is dead. Now, it's not saying you're, you, you don't have faith, because you do. That's not the point. 
The point is, your faith without your works is dead to the guy. It is not dead to God. Somebody says, you say you have faith, but I don't know that it moves the throne of God because you don't show your faith. Let me tell you something. God does not have difficulty seeing your faith. I don't mean to be um, improper here and certainly not irreverent, but God is never in heaven saying, I wonder if Bill has faith. He claims to have it. He says he has it, but I, I just don't see it in his life. I wonder if Bill has faith. Would God know if I have faith or not? All right, so to whom is my faith without works dead? And the answer is you, man. My faith is not dead to God, but my faith without my works is dead to you. Look on, if you would, please. Let's see. Uh, let's go down to verse 19. No, look at verse 18. Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith with my works. Now, this is important. Both men in this verse have faith. You show me your faith, so you have it, without your works, and I will show you, says the writer, my faith by my works. Now, can you show your faith without works? The answer is no. You may have it, but I won't see it without works. Suppose you said to me, Bill, do you have faith? And I said, yes. And you said, show it to me. And I go, <laughs> would that show my faith? No, no. You see my faith with my works. Now, what if I don't have works? By the way, which is what the passage is talking about. What if I don't have works? It's not saying here I don't have faith. It's saying show your faith with your works. If you've got faith, let people see it. And how would they see it? Well, they would see it with your works, which also means you may not have works, but have faith. Are you following this? He's not saved. He claims to be saved, but he couldn't be saved because if he were saved, he'd be here on Wednesday nights. Well, I think you ought to be here on Wednesday nights or Thursday or whenever. I think that's fine. But the point is you're not saved by your works, but I can't see your faith. God does. So you may have faith, but the point here is show your faith by your works. Look at verse 19. This is classic. Thou believest that there is one God, the devils believe also. This is interesting. Thou doest well. The devils believe also and tremble. He says, look, you believe that there is one God, the devils believe also and tremble. Now, he's not talking about salvation here. Let me ask you a question. If a person believes there's one God, does that mean he's saved? No, he's not talking about salvation. He's talking about faith. All right, so the illustration is you have a devil, a demon, and you. Let's say up here, standing on the platform, um, there was a demon. And don't get clever with me here. I mean, he's standing over there, all right? So there's a demon, and here am I. So you say to me, Bill, do you have faith? My answer would be, 
All right. So if you said to the demon, do you believe that there is one God? He would say, all right. So he believes in one God and I believe in one God. What's the obvious difference? My works. My works. Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. The demons believe also and tremble. It's no big deal that you believe in God in light of this passage because it's talking about works. The point is, you say to a demon, if you believe that there is one God, why in the name of common sense do you do what you do? And why do you not do what you do not do? You see... Uh, nobody would think that a demon believes in God because his works wouldn't show it. You still with me? Okay, look down at verse 20. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? Now he just says it point blank. Here's what he says. He says, but you know this, your faith without your works is dead. And that, therefore, many people have said, well, you see, um, Works is important to salvation, and it is not. You're not saved because you work. So what does he mean when he says, your faith without your works is dead? Well, to answer that, answer this question. Dead to whom? Who is my faith without my works? To whom is that faith dead? And the answer is people. See, it's not dead to God. My faith is never dead to God, no matter the amount of it. By the way, when faith is mentioned as to amount in the scripture, it's often mentioned as small. Faith as a grain of mustard seed. Okay, so faith is faith. I think large faith means you continue in it, but nonetheless, faith is faith. So my faith is not dead to God, but my works are dead to man. Therefore, faith without works is dead. Look, I don't care how much you believe. I am thankful that you believe. I don't care if you've trusted Christ. I don't care if you live for, uh, uh, claim to live for God. If, if your life doesn't show your faith, then your faith is dead to people. And that's why so often we're concerned about people who claim to be in the faith because we say, well, they, they, they claim to be in the faith, but I don't see it. Have you ever said that? Okay, a man may be in the faith without your seeing it, but that's not the way it should be. If a man is in the faith, you ought to be able to see it. And then uh, we come to verse 21. Here's an illustration. Was not Abraham, our father, justified by works, when he had offered Isaac, his son, upon the altar. Now, he just says it point blank. You can't, you can't miss this verse. Look, wasn't Abraham justified when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? Now, the word justified, it's a wonderful word. Somebody says justified means just as if you had never sinned. That's fine. But it really means more than that. You know, every Bible word has a definition. So justified means declared righteous. Means one is declared righteous. For example, um, how many of you can remember O.J. Simpson? You remember O.J.? All right. He's out of prison. He lived in your state for a time. You know that, I'm sure. Um, O.J. Simpson was accused of having killed 
his wife and her boyfriend. And it was a big deal. Uh, his trial was in large part televised and everybody talked about it. It was quite, quite a deal. Um, O.J. Simpson um, killed, I believe. Now, by the way, if you disagree with me on this, that's all right. I think O.J. Simpson killed his former wife and her boyfriend. I don't think there's any question about it, and I, I, I think that because of what I saw to be the evidence. But um, if he was a killer, how would you explain this? He came to Florida. He played golf. He lived many years happily until he ripped off some guy with some sports memorabilia and then went back to prison. By the way, in the civil trial, do you remember this? In the civil trial, he was deemed guilty. He had to pay. But in the, in the felony trial, um, he was deemed innocent. Okay. So O.J. Simpson came to Florida. He played golf. He, he did what he said, Brother Rice, if he killed his wife and if he killed her boyfriend, how come he could live freely? Now, the answer is simple but important. He lived freely because he was declared righteous. So you say, well, Bill, do you think he was guilty? Yes, I do, but it doesn't make any difference. A judge and jury of his peers in the United States of America, and by the way, I thank God for our judicial system. Do you not? Okay, a judge and jury in the United States of America declared Simpson righteous. Well, innocent of murder. So I can go around all day and say, I think you did it, I think you did it, I think you did it. It doesn't make any difference. He has been declared righteous. Are you following this? Suppose, suppose, um, suppose I go to heaven today and I went in heaven and um, Peter is at the gate. This is not the way it really works, but it helps my illustration. All right, so I go to heaven and Peter's at the gate and uh, I say, I'd like into heaven. And he says, what makes you think, Bill, you have a right to heaven? Now, there are three possible answers. You ready? Number one, I'm good. Don't laugh. That's, that's not fair. Okay. I'm good. Would that get me into heaven? No. Okay. Number two, I am really good. Would that get me into heaven? No. Okay. Try this one. I'm perfect. Now, I, I know what you'll be um, tending to say, but think it through. If I were perfect, you say, Brother Rice, you're not. I know that. But if I were perfect, as is Jesus Christ, would I get into heaven? The answer is yes. Okay, so I say to Peter, um, I'm perfect. <laughs> now, next to Peter is standing the accuser of the brethren. Who would that be? Satan. You say, why is he doing there? Helps my illustration. Okay, so Satan is standing next to Peter, and he says to Peter, Bill Rice, perfect. <laughs> That's a good one. He used to hang out with Bill Lytell. Give me a break. Come on. All right. He's perfect? I don't think so. And so Peter says, well, what did he do? Uh, what did he do? And so he says, well, he lied. Bill Rice lied. And Peter says, well, let's check the book and see what it says. He says, okay, Rice, Rice. Liar, liar, pants on. Well, you know the drill. Oh, here it is. Here it is right here. He says, Bill Rice, lie. Let's see. Uh, 
No, says Peter, it's not there. He's not a liar. Well, he was envious and jealous. Guy came to church in a yellow Corvette. Brother Rice was envious and jealous. Nobody's perfect, people. All right, envious and jealous. Rice, Rice, envious. Um, okay, wait, here it is. Envious and jealous, no. Nope, he says, not there. Well, says Satan, he stole. Stole, steal. Uh, steal, no man, uh, steal, steal. No, he, Peter says, it's not there. It says right here, Bill Rice the third is perfect. Having been clothed in the righteous robes the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, you say, I'm a sinner, and I can understand that. But God sees me through the Lord Jesus, and he sees me as perfect. I'm justified. I'm declared righteous. So the Bible says, was not Abraham declared righteous when he'd offered Isaac on the altar. So let me ask you a question. Was the moment of Abraham's salvation when he offered Isaac? Yes or no? That is, was that his time of coming to God through the soon coming Christ? Was it when he offered Isaac? Is that when he was saved? Yes or no? No. Okay. Abraham was saved. See if you can finish this. When he Believed. That's faith. Abraham was saved when he believed. Nothing more, nothing less, nothing more needed, nothing less is possible. Abraham believed God, says Romans, and it was imputed, accounted unto him for righteousness. Oh, you say, you mean all you got to do to be saved, just believe, 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 believe. That's all you got to do. You don't do anything. You just believe, believe. Let me tell you something. You better be careful with what you say about Scripture and its statements. The Bible says that people are saved by grace through faith plus nothing. Abraham was saved when he believed. Okay, so what happened when he offered Isaac? The Bible says he was justified. Well, he was justified before God when he believed. He was declared righteous by men when he offered Isaac. It's used as an illustration. So you and I are talking. We live back in Abraham's day, and I say, you know this guy Abraham, he claims to be a believer, but I'm not sure if he is or not. You say, well, I am. Well, what makes you so sure? You say, God said to him, offer your son, your only son. Now we find out in the New Testament, he, Abraham, thought his son would be raised again. But nonetheless, God said, offer your son, your only son, and Abraham did it. Let me tell you, that's a man of faith. You following this? And the reason you know and are convincing me that he is a man of faith is because of his works.
Now, let me ask you a question here. Um, if Abraham had refused to offer Isaac, would he still have been justified? What if, what if Abraham had lied and gone to Egypt? Would he still have been justified, yes or no? Yeah, but you think the king in Egypt thought he was an independent fundamental Baptist? I don't think so. In fact, the king comes off as more godly than did Abraham. Isn't that true? All right, so people may doubt Abraham's salvation because of his works, but they can also confirm Abraham's salvation because of his works. And I love this next verse. Uh, look back down in uh, verse 22. Seest thou, this is great, seest thou how faith wrought with his works, and by his works was faith made perfect. And the scripture was fulfilled which saith, Abraham, please read out, loud the next word. Scriptures fulfilled which saith Abraham believed God. See, he, he believed God and that was accounted or imputed to him for righteousness. See, the point here is not do you have faith. The point here is do your works back up your faith. Look, I, I'd love to have a great number of visitors this week in the revival. You would too, correct? But you are going to see collectively hundreds and hundreds of lost people this week. You will. What kind of testimony will your life have? See, will people look at you and say, well, one thing I know about him, he's, he's got faith because look at his life. You following this? See, by his works. Look at verse 24. You see then how that by works a man is justified, declared righteous, and not by faith only. That's quite a verse. You see then how that by works and not faith alone a man is justified. Okay, now if you miss this one, we're going to go back to verse 14 and start all over again, all right? By works a man is justified and not by faith only. By faith a man is justified before... God, help me out. By faith, a man is justified before God. By works, a man is justified before man. Great. See, you're not saved by your works. Works cannot save you in God's sight by God's standard, but they do by man. You know, this is interesting to me. Lost people are more concerned about the way we live than some Christian people are. He'd wear that. He claims to be a Christian, and he'd wear that. They'd watch that. They claim to be Christian people, but they watch that every week. He talks like that. He claims to be a Christian. Isn't that true? Your works are important. Your works don't get you to heaven, but your works may keep somebody else out. See, because your faith without your works in man's sight 
is dead. Now look at verse 25. We have another illustration. Likewise also was not Rahab the harlot, I love this phrasing, justified by works. Okay, if Rahab the harlot was justified by works, then we are talking about her being justified before men. Okay, not before God. She was declared righteous because of her works before God. Likewise, also was not Rahab the harlot justified by works when she had received <laughs> the messengers and hid them. Um, and she, uh, she showed them out another way. I love, I, I almost think that James has a sense of humor here that the Lord does. Because the Bible says, uh, Rahab the harlot, uh, wasn't she justified when she received the messengers? Now, what were the messengers? What's another word used for them in the scriptures? Spies. Okay, they were spies. Okay, so here came spies. They were with Joshua. They were going to overthrow her city-state. And she received them and hid them, and sent them out a different way. Now, in our culture and in our society, if there was a conquering army opposed to the United States, and if I entertained spies from that army and hid them and protected them, I would be called a traitor. All right, that's what she did. Wasn't this harlot justified when she hid the messengers, wink, wink, and protected them as they left. Wasn't, wasn't she justified? Okay, now what does that mean? Same thing. You and I are in Joshua's army, and you say, Miss Rahab, I think she's a believer. <laughs> can't be. She's in there in Jericho. Are you kidding me? She's not a believer. She's a reprobate. She's a harlot. You say, no, no. She's trusting in the true and living God. She's trusting God. She's a believer. And I say, well, what makes you think she's a believer? You say, listen, Bill, she brought the spies in. She hid the spies. And because she knew she was being watched, she sent them out a way differently than the way they came. Let me tell you something, Bill. She's everything she claims to be. Was she? All right. Now, if she had not hid the spies, could she still have been justified in God's sight? If she'd not worked with Joshua, could she still have been justified in God's sight? And by the way, this is not a passage telling you that it's all right to be a traitor. That's not the point here. The point here is that she was on the side of Almighty God with Joshua and his people and that that is undeniably great evidence that she was all that she claimed to be. You believe seatbelts work? Do you believe, you, you've heard this, haven't you? Seatbelts save lives? You've heard that, haven't you? You believe they work? How many, how many people here believe that seatbelts work? Okay, how many people here always, this is the operative word, always wear your seatbelts? Always, always, always. Uh, about uh, 60%. Okay, 
So suppose I said to you, I believe seatbelts work, brother. I believe seatbelts work. And you see me driving out of Gospel Baptist in my truck without my seatbelt on. By the way, I think to make things exciting, the best time to put your seatbelt on is when you're in fourth gear. I don't think you should put it on right away. That's kind of dull. So you get going, uh, you put your seatbelt on, and your wife says to you, Bill, one of these days you're going to kill yourself putting on your seatbelt. All right. Do seatbelts save lives? Yes, they do. In fact, um, seatbelts are called a restraint system, but they can be dangerous if they're misused. That's why we have airbags. Have you ever read about an airbag, dangerous? Please be sure that you wear your seatbelt. And the reason for that is if you're not wearing a seatbelt, you'll be in an accident hurled toward the dashboard while and exploding. That's what happens to airbags. They don't inflate. They explode. In other words, airbags don't go whoosh. No, they go bah! like that. All right, so you're going toward the dashboard uh, and the airbag's coming back. It can be harmful, even fatal. In fact, people have been killed that way. It's sad. All right. So the restraints, in, by the way, usually they call it S uh, supplemental restraint, SRS supplemental restraint system airbags with seatbelts. So seatbelts save lives. And you may really believe that, but you ought wear them if you do. You following this? Um, you see me driving out without a seatbelt, and you say, he doesn't, he doesn't believe that seatbelts save lives. Well, yes, I do. I'm just not living like it. See? So it's important that God's people live what they believe. One more thing, and our time is gone. Likewise also, verse 25, was not Rahab the harlot justified by works when she had received the messengers? Verse 26, for as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead. To whom? To man. See, faith, of course, is important, is it not? But so is your works. You know, it, it, um, it both surprises and concerns me that there's a body of thought in our country that when one is saved by grace through faith, the way he lives is not important. Sure it is. It's not important to your salvation, but it's important for your testimony. Because your faith, without your works, to man is dead. Let's bow, please, for prayer. Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for giving us James chapter 2. Help us to see it, to be clear with it, and to live in light of it, I pray. We ask these things in Jesus' name, and it is for his sake that we pray them. Amen. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.